0: hello welcome back to ng meets it's been a while but we're back and we're back with a great show for you now no doubt if you've been paying any attention to the news you'll be well aware of the goings-on down in london where the extinction rebellion group are once again closing off parts of the city in protest at the uh, government's inaction over the growing epidemic that is climate change we all know as most of us do what an massive issue that is the science behind it is unarguable despite other people's attempts to do so and sick and tired of empty platitudes a big group of people uh, it started last year got together and decided it was time to take action and thus extinction rebellion were formed now you may be seeing what's going on obviously they're getting a lot of stick in the press uh the likes of uh, piers morgan as ever opening his mouth big mouth talking rubbish Um, But there's arrests and the recent news was that the police were actually going in and trying to close down the protest, which was something I saw. Um, But we wanted to know more. And so a few weeks back, I sat down with Sam Harris. He's from Nottingham Extinction Rebellion. And uh, he came and joined me at Sobar And we had a chat about what Extinction Rebellion is all about, how he got involved, why it's so important, and why the issue of climate change needs tackling. And tackling now, it cannot wait. So, it's a great chat and it's a great way to find out more about Extinction Rebellion, how you can get involved, what you can do, even if you can't get involved uh, on a personal level, what you can do just in your day to day life, how we can look at ways that we can hopefully do something about this growing, impending catastrophe that is climate change. Before we move on and let you listen to that interview, though, just a reminder uh, the little bit of housekeeping there, you can, of course, Keep up with all our podcasts at ngdigital.podbean.com. That's where all the episodes will be. We've got some great shows coming up that we'll hope you'll check out as we get going on this new series of shows. Obviously, you can find us on Twitter at ngdigitaluk and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ngdigital. So give us a shout. Get in touch with us if you're interested in finding out more about what we do. As I said, all shows are on ngdigital.podbean.com. Hopefully, if you enjoy this one, you'll check them out. Uh, maybe you can subscribe and uh, catch all the future shows coming forward and as well, let us know what you think. So, having said that, this is Sam Harris from Extinction Rebellion Nottingham on NG Meets. So I just wanted to start off if you just wanted to sort of tell us a little bit about Extinction Rebellion Nottingham and your sort of role in that and involvement in that.
1: Yeah, so um, I originally joined Extinction Rebellion Nottingham about six, seven months ago when the, the first kind of uh, Extinction Rebellion groups were kind of forming. And um, it, it was only a few people back then, a few from the Green Party, a few from Labour, a few from non-political part, political parties and a few Greenpeace members that kind of Got bored with the old ways of, um, old ways of the environmental movement, Um, and a lot of us kind of came together and we 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 saw the movements going in London, and we they built their own. I joined and it it was a was an interesting experience at the start, um, because everyone was kind of finding their feet. Um, I think it was a, it it started very small. We we had very small plans. Um, however, we saw it's grown massively in the last six months. I mean, we've gone from hundred members to to way over nearly 2,000 people wow. on the Facebook page, which is phenomenal. Um, and there's a lot of active members as well. Um, but for me, I wanted to join because, like a lot of other people, I was fed up with the conversations and the lobbying and the, the, the things that have been done for the Green Party and other pressure groups and Greenpeace, other pressure groups for, for, since the since the 60s, since the formation of Greenpeace and, and the Ecologist Party, which predated Green Party. Um, mm-hmm. and. I was also fed up with the way that, I'm a Labour member and I was fed up with the way that Labour were not tackling the issues. I mean I've known, I've been, I'm only 19 but I saw what happened with the Labour party during Blair and there was just not any of these issues tackled. So we kind of thought that, I use a phrase, it's the talking time is over and we all agreed that that is how it is, we're fed up with the old style of politics, the old style of environmental politics. So we kind of took it as an Extinction Rebellion movement, we took it on ourselves in was especially to to kind of use more radical means of of, of pressuring governments and councils yeah. to to act on on the climate crisis we're seeing uh, unraveling in front of our eyes. Um, so originally it was just basically talking about leafleting, talking about kind of discussing and get the get the message of XR out, which was a very simple one of action, yeah. um, and it was action to get governments and councils to, to, to move and move motions on climate emergency, which we've seen throughout the country. The first one, I reckon, was uh, was Bristol. Um, a few months ago, Bristol declared Bristol City Council declared a, a climate emergency, which was brilliant, followed by Manchester, followed by a load of other city and county councils. Um, and we've seen actually a lot of change, especially in Nottingham, as the manifesto for the Nottingham City Council came out during the local elections in March and May, uh, earlier this year and they committed to carbon neutral by twenty twenty eight, which was a phenomenal, phenomenal um commitment that they've made. Um Sally Longford, who was a previous and still is portfolio holder for the environment is a is a staunched um supporter of Extinction Rebellion and the environmental, the wider environmental movement. And I think Extinction Rebellion will take back at that. However, we're seeing councils Gedling, Brockstow, Rushcliffe, uh, and the out Ashfield and uh, and out further that some may have may have adopted the climate emergency however
0: we're seeing lack of action yeah <clears> yeah, it's, it's uh it's, it's one thing to adopt a motion isn't it but
1: yeah this is one thing we've said from the start i mean even when corbyn put through the motion of climate emergency uh through parliament we said that's great and we supported him on that however it's a written piece of paper in parliament which is not going to leave that place
0: yeah i mean it's it's um, sort of on a bigger scale and obviously kind of in a way, sort of like similar to the, the Paris Agreement. Yeah, the Paris Agreement. And I know, obviously, that's been impacted by um, things across the river. Yeah, so yeah, completely. There. But even so, again, they, as as great as that was to see this at com- least implied commitment, it doesn't mean anything because um, well, yeah, well, they just what it tends to happen is they just very little and then push it back
1: exactly it predates the Paris Accords it goes back to the Kyoto agreement and previous to that when we've seen countries come together and say yes we want to act on it and they keep pushing back the boundaries I mean I saw I saw yesterday a meeting between what Greta Thunberg the, the 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 organizer and the main um, the voice behind our movement yeah and the youth strikes and, and the wider environmental movement recently went to went sailed to America on a zero carbon boat yeah. um, so which had no emission, uh, no carbon footprint, and she made it over there and was in a uh, a, a committee with a Republican Republican representative. Now he said to her, um, she said on the long along the lines of, "List, don't listen to me. Listen to the scientists. Listen to the the facts and the figures." And he came back and said, "Well, what is the point in the USA acting when China is releasing emissions at a higher rate and increasing their emission increase, and?" She came back with one of the one of the best uh, responses I've heard in a while, and it was, well, in Sweden, she said that people that oppose our our proposals on climate change, what what they say is that America hasn't changed and is increasing their commitment, increasing their emissions. So why the hell should we do anything? So America, this this Republican representative sat there and was stunned because that is so true, America while saying China and India are causing the problem are sitting there and causing the problem themselves, yeah. which, which has a knock on effect. And this is something in Extinction Rebellion we've talked about for years. Well, for, for months, sorry. And uh, we've said that one council may think that it's, it's, it's pointless doing it, which not, has a knock on to effect to other councils, which we've put the, put the plan forward to say that, no, you make a stand. And we use this concept called active hope. Uh, it's a recent concept we've kind of brought about in Extinction Rebellion, which is hope itself a lot of us don't have any hope for the future for our children and for younger people like myself however we use we go on beyond hope and we call it active hope where we may know and we may think that it's hopeless to do anything however the concept of active hope is we do it regardless yeah we take actions regardless and regardless of the problems that we may face regardless of the the obstacles and regardless of the outcome that we may not achieve we act and we spend time and money and our resources and put all we can into it because at the end of the day if we get 15 years down the line and nothing's changed we can sit back and say we tried our hardest yeah and the people people that are sat in positions of power will be the ones that have the guilty conscience and the ones that are that will be the fully responsible and have full accountability towards them for the for the detriment they've done to this planet
0: definitely i mean i find it staggering that we're still in a in 2019 we still have you know, people in powerful positions and you know, group still unwilling to accept, you know, what is, you know, categoric well you know, well researched, well studied evidence that, you know the sort of evidence for climate change on a sort of theoretical level is a more solid than the evidence for evolution. Yeah, in, no, I hundred percent agree. In great. terms of, you know, like I say, on in terms of solid foundations, and we have measurable sort of, evidence. Yeah. Since
1: since since we've been looking at this since the the since the '30s, people have been looking at the difference in climate. Since 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 you could physically use technology to measure certain things such as temperature and record these on a long term basis, um, we've been recording this and seeing a massive spike in particulates in the air, particulates in upper atmospheres. We've seen. Uh, increase in air pollution, increase in land lights, noise pollution. Yeah, we've seen these across the across the entire globe, and um, and one thing I do say all the time to people that are sceptical and or fully against our actions, and I say, well, put this scenario in front of you. Climate change isn't real, Um actually, all we're doing is spending a lot of money to clean up the air, a lot of money to clean up our land, a lot of money to stop drilling the oil in the sea. So we spend loads of all this money and all of a sudden it says, oh, climate change isn't real. That's the, we've got it all wrong. So all we've done is ended up spending a lot of money and time in making a better world for ourselves yeah. regardless. We've, we've made air, air pollution is not a, necessarily a contributor to, to, to the massive global climate change we're going to see. However, in, cre- in city centres such as Nottingham and Birmingham, where I'm from, you have increased cases of bronchitis and aspirin in yeah. small children in big, large city centres. London's horrific for it. Um, Land pollution. You see eutrophication, um, which is the the process of farmland pesticides going into the rivers, which tarnish the rivers and make them acidic. So if we stop all of that, make the land pristine and make the the, the local areas as as habitable as possible, and climate change ends up not being true, well then, I don't see any downside. I've never seen a downside to acting on climate change, whether you believe it or not. Surely, it's just the best thing to do, and I I am a strong believer that it doesn't matter whether you believe or believe in climate change, believe in the wider effects of the climate emergency. But surely, on the local level, it's going to make things better, regardless.
0: Yeah, definitely, and I think I think one of the issues maybe is that as a whole, climate change is very difficult for most people to get their head around, mm. and arguably, most people probably think well. And, like, and you, you touched on that with well, things about what America is saying and what councils are saying. And it comes down to, to a person level as well. Yeah. People say that. What difference do I make? See, this is, this and, is what I've faced a lot, is yeah. this kind
1: of liberal ideology that people have got instilled in them, which is the individualist idea. People on the street say, well, what can I do? What, what the hell? What, how is it going to affect me, climate change? Well, firstly, let's address how it's going to affect you. It may not affect you as much as it will people in Bangladesh when their country goes underwater, yeah. and people in Netherlands when their country goes underwater. But it's going to affect you when people have to move from their countries, such as Bangladesh, such as the lower land, the lower lying lands in in the continent of Africa and the continent of Asia. And when we have a second humanitarian crisis like the one in Syria, then it's going to affect you. Then you're going to start wondering why you've got huge shifts in migration towards the north and towards higher yeah. higher land densities. And that's when it's going to affect you. And even on, a, even on a personal level, it's going to affect you because food is going to become more scarce when they can't grow it in, in the countries they are currently. Yes, we're going to get, you know, the odd, we're going to be able to grow a mango or two. Yeah. However, what's going to happen is, you know, the bugs, that you go, your bugs you complain about when you go to countries such as France, such as Spain, such as North Africa, those mosquitoes, those malaria-carrying bugs, those hornets, those, those nasty insects that we complain about when we go to hot countries, they're coming up north. You see migratory patterns in, uh, migratory patterns change in insect populations in the last 10 years, last 20 years. Right. You see massive, massive difference. Nowadays, 10 years ago when I was nine, you would not have seen the amount of wasps or bees around, wasps especially around this time of year. Our current climate, it's been about 22 degrees today. It's been warm, I've had to take off jumpers and coats yeah. today. And we're, we're getting to the end of September. It doesn't matter if you don't believe the, the facts and the figures but you can see it around you. And it's not so much to do with El Nino or El Nino. It's to do with the absolute detriment to our environment humans are causing. And I think, um, and I think on the second point um, about what an individual can do. Um, I think that we, as XR, we've kind of removed ourselves from that individual paper, paper straw idea. We call, I call it a paper straw idea when all these big companies and individuals are saying, oh, I'm not going to use any plastic straws well that's really good and I really appreciate that however when you've got Primark using fast fashion and chucking away clothes and, and people buying it and chucking it away when it's, it's taken it's been shipped over from Bangladesh and Taiwan and when you've got McDonald's fast fast food um, they're factory they're farming every animal they possibly can yeah. and the, the carbon the carbon footprint of that I think it doesn't matter if you don't use a plastic store when you go out to a club but actually it matters when you all come together and everyone calls on one particular business or all the, all the businesses to stop their massively detrimental acts to the environment. So you can do what you want as an individual. You can recycle, you can, you can cut down your meat intake and you can become a vegetarian or vegan. However, that doesn't matter if the rest of the world isn't acting together as one. So we, we're looking at it as more of a
0: collective action rather than an individualist yeah. idea. Yeah, and I think as well, like take for example, um, carry a bag. Mm-hmm. Situation, and we have seen that's worked, and people, you know, they were press talking about, you know, the almost apocalypse of the five p <laughs> carrier yeah. bag charge, but not only have we seen a massive, <coughs> you know, drop in use of carry bags, it's working, but and therefore there's less carry bags being dumped mm-hmm. about, and that and that's good because that is, like you say, that's a collective thing, and I know a lot, of, like I say, people don't like when you know government sort of tax things like yeah. that but it's work and it's you can see it it's there i think which, I think something like and that is they're the kind of things that you need to get at people where they can actually see a tangible impact happening something yeah. action
1: i completely agree and, and these sort of policies that are implemented like low zero use shops in nottingham for example we've i've seen um there's a lot of zero use shops which are really good um, and I think these sort of things are really good. However, I think also on top of that, you need government regulation. And the government, the Conservative government we currently got do not like regulation. No. And what we are proposing is that we, we need to regulate companies and huge corporations um, on the environmental impact. So if they do X amount of environmental damage, they need to pay up twice, three times as much money as they can, as we need to, to repair that. And we need to be building bridges between different political parties that agree that regulation is the best way to be able to stop these corporations from tampering and from messing up our environment locally, nationally, and internationally. And yeah. And I think a a key point
0: you touched on there was about it being, it needs to be across the board because Mm -hmm. one of the issues obviously is, um, politics is based entirely in an election cycle. Mm -hmm. So you could have safe, you know, say so Labour got in in the next election, came in with, implemented these green policies, five years down the line, they could all be rolled back because, you know, the conservatives will run on a thing of, oh, well, we'll cut your green tax or things like that. And, like, so it needs, it's got to be, a, a, you know, across the board, it's got to be, you know, worked out between the country as a whole and politics as a whole because... And I think part, part of the problem with any big issue like this is the, the fact that everything is on a five-year cycle. Exactly. Politicians never think further than their next election. Really. And
1: this is what's made politicians snap out of, snap out of their days, uh, their five-year days recently, because we've seen 2017, and we're, we're going to have election in 2020, I suspect. So
0: maybe, maybe sooner. Maybe <laughs>
1: sooner. See, they're, they're, this is what's happening now. This is the perfect time to act, because politicians are really actually opening their eyes for once, and realising that this five-year cycle thing has been going on too long and they've been sat on their hands and lulling about for years. And we're finally seeing politicians listen. Um, And I think that there's a great cooperation that can be done between especially the Labour, the Liberal Democrats, the Green Party, and then parties such as Sinn Féin. I know they're abstentionists, but parties such as Sinn Féin and parties that are environmentally conscious, Parties like the Conservatives at the current Conservative Party will never ever listen to environmentalists. Michael Gove may sit on various select committees and various groups that say conservatives for the environment, however they're based on a free market based idea, which we've seen doesn't work. Because yeah. for a free market based idea, if we lived in a pure free market at the moment, you'd see, still see um, steam powered engines going everywhere. You'd still see whichever the people like the most would be, whichever the market, the way the market moves and the economy moves, you'd see that go, regardless if it's detrimental to the environment or not. Um, and I think the Conservatives need to either get their act together now and start supporting and acting on Extinction Rebellion's wishes or be left um, in the dustbin of human history. Because we, the IPCC report said two years ago we have 12 years. We're now in the 11, 10 years yeah. chance. And even that was possibly optimistic. This, that is optimistic. <laughs> yeah. they're, still, they're, still, they're still doing research on that and it's coming out every day that it's, they're gritting their teeth and saying, oh, this might have been a bit of an yeah. overestimate. We've actually got less time, and I think for for all the the good Labour, Conservative, Labour and Lib Dem and Greens can do at the moment. I'm sorry, but Brexit is not a priority. I am not in any way uh, a leaver, a Remainer. I have sat on the fence and been very much confused by the whole process. Even studying politics, we're also very confused. But I, I think that seriously Brexit is a is a fictional. It's not real. It's not tangible. It's not you can't grab Brexit by the by the hair. It is literally pieces of paper, agreements, verbal dialogue, and yet it's and yet it's getting in the way of our green policies that need to be implemented. I think something like Brexit should be left for another ten years until we sort out the pressing problem that's currently facing this world, let alone this country, which is the environmental catastrophe we are currently in. I think Brexit's taking up way too much time and energy. Things like factional. I mean i mean the Labour Party and I know factional disputes are, are, are normal within party politics. But however, we need to have a broad stance on climate change and say, actually, we, can, we need to get rid of GDP growth because there's no such thing as green growth. GDP is based on the concept that you have a balloon, you can blow it so much and it will be in, inevitably inflating until forever. However, it burst. We saw yeah. that in 2008. We saw that in the winter of discontent. You've seen it time and time and time again the balloon bursts and this idea of gdp cannot be involved in green policies because you cannot um you cannot use in you cannot think you have infinite resources on a finite
0: planet you cannot act like you have infinite resources yeah and i think that again that's another thing that it's got to be understood and sold to people as well because like you say because most people now, I've grown up in a fully capitalist mm. system. And most people will just just want to get on and, and don't pay a massive attention to it. This is something and this, that... And that is, like you're saying, it's to try and sell people or to try and convince people what needs to happen and that you've got to look beyond, like you say. Exactly. And it, this is something it, within it, XR Nottingham we've had, I mean, tons of discussions on.
1: Thousands of talks have taken place, Nottingham out the outlying areas um, across the country. We've, we've all had discussions about what the solutions would be, and we can all put our own solution towards, towards the, whether you're a liberal or whether you're a socialist, whether you're a Marxist, whether you're a communist, whether you're a conservative or, or even further, you can all put your own spin on what you think the, the policy should be. However, all we're here to do Extinction Rebellion Nottingham and Extinction Rebellion worldwide, is we're here to pressure the government into action. If we think the action's working, if we think the policies are going to work, we'll support you. We're not here to be the ones that say, I think you should um, do this. I think you should you know, make everyone have a garden and, uh, have a green rooftop. We're not here to tell yeah. you exactly the policies of what to do. That's up to the politicians, that's what they're paid for. We're here to tell you to do something and to do it hard and fast. Because I can sit here Outside of Extinction Rebellion and say, I don't think capitalism may be the way is the way forward to have a green future. I don't think GDP is the way to have a green future. However, it's not for Extinction Rebellion or Greenpeace or anyone to to say anything about this because we're not policy makers. Yeah. We are a mass pressure group and a mass uh, non-violent direct action group who are making the problems aware to the government and to local governments. There's no point in us because we've got such a broad church in our in our in our group we've got people from the green party the liberal party the liberal democrats swp sp we've got everyone such and then people on the, people on the center right as well conservatives we've got many conservative voters and members in our in our in our midst and it's not for us to start dictating policy no. because that's when the arguments and the factions start to develop within the the group and i think it's there's no need for that we're just here to highlight the issues we can put suggestions what we think there should be a um, citizens assembly on climate change yeah which there has been, the government's used citizens' assemblies numerous times on varying different social policies. Anytime, for example, it's just a large focus group, but has actual legitimate legislative powers, and I think a fo- I think the, the citizens' assembly would be something that we're putting forward, not as a policy, but as a form of direct action. I don't care what the, I, I care what the citizens' assembly comes up with, and if we agree with it, we'll support it. However, I don't Mind what their policy is, as long as it is radical and hard and fast acting. Yeah,
0: and it's you know it's action. Yeah, exactly. Because the doing, we're doing, doing something.
1: We're seeing so little action, and a lot of people in Extinction Rebellion are, are turning around to each other and going, "What we've done so far isn't enough." This is where the October Rebellion comes in. Yeah, we've got to the point where we've, um, where Earthstrike, may not have done anything in, in the past few days. Um, we've come to the point where we've got to, the October Rebellion is, is is afoot, and if you saw what happened in the last Rebellion, we shut down London for a week. Yeah, we shut down Piccadilly, Oxford, Waterloo Bridge, which is something that's never been happened happened before. Roger um, Roger Hallam, the uh, the coordinator of Extinction Rebellion, uh, country wide was at the event, and there was people sat, sat down on the bridge that were what we call arrestables, which agreed to be arrested yeah. by the police and put themselves forward. So they were sat in lines on the Waterloo Bridge, it's well documented on the news. Roger went up to a police sergeant and said, um, please, my, my fellow Extinction rebellion activists are getting very bored, can you arrest them quicker, please? <laughs> they were, this is how radical, this is how passionate we are but we're literally sitting there waiting to get arrested. Police can't even arrest us quick enough. This is what the movement is. It's a movement about sacri- our minute sacrifice is for the good of the rest of the world for the next generation. And I think that what you're going to see is more actions such as the previous rebellion in the October rebellion. And we're we going to have better plans. And but it, I must stress this as, as highly as possible. It will always be non-violent. Yeah. We are a pacifist group, we are not a warmongering group. We do not think that violence is the way forward. We train everyone that wants to be involved in non-violent direct action in training sessions. And I think that everything we do will be non-violent, however, it will be massively disruptive. And Sadiq Khan, as much as he's a Labour member and Labour mayor, he needs to stop when it comes to telling people that business should go back to you, business should be as usual after the rebellion, because it will not be, and we'll continue to fight um, until we get the action we need
0: and that i mean at the end of the day that's the only way you know protesting works yeah and you know and you will obviously you're going to get criticism you're going to the media the current british media are not likely to be on your side no we know that but you know you don't you don't get anything by standing out at the way holding a placard up you've got to make I think you've got to make a new and you've got to
1: disrupt. This is, yeah, this is the, the point the and I think every major mass movement from 2003's Stop the War Coalition to the Civil Rights Movement to the LGBT movement, every movement that has called for radical, radical, systematic change um, has has faced its critics and it's faced its mass opposition by the status quo establishment parties and establishment figures and we're, we're we're not indifferent to that and we're not any different to any other mass movement we're facing a lot of opposition by big wealthy business big corporations politicians who have got a lot to lose politicians with their fingers in a lot of pies which have oil in it we have got even within the labor movement and we are facing opposition by gmb who have a lot of uh, of their members in oil and gas and fracking unite union which i'm a member of myself we have a lot of um people that a lot of work is involved in fracking and involved in the oil industry, which, which Unite and GMB respect respectfully for
0: protecting their jobs. However,
1: what we are suggesting is a revolution of green industry.
0: Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? You're not you are not talking about taking people and throwing them on the, you know, scrappy. You're talking We're talking about, about transformation. Trans- transferring skills. We're into- talking about mass
1: training of um, pollution, pollutant industry workers into green industry, yeah. to wind farms, solar farms, hydroelectric, into R&D, masses into R&D. So it's what we're saying. <coughs> we're looking for a mass revolution of jobs. We're, we're predicting, well, the Labour Party's predicted we can get millions of jobs out of the Green New Deal we're putting forward. AOC, um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in America, was the one that put through, yeah. put forward the Green New Deal. And I think that was... I mean, you should have seen the Republican Senators. They well, nearly seen, fell off... I and mean, the Congressmen. They like, fell off the chairs. She's like public
0: enemy number one. Uh, she is. And her, the sort of little... Not only do
1: they hate her because they're racist and sexist. Yeah. Okay.
0: They hate her because she's a young person. And they hate her because she's an environmentalist. Yeah. and But also, she's come in. She, like you say, she's young. Uh, she's come in and she has sort of gone for it. She hasn't come in and sort of played the game of, I'm the new kid... Yeah, so she's not. That it, she's, she's gone, and she said, "Look, this, this, isn't, this is the you're the old god, This ain't working." This is and exactly true. Probably terrified that there's going to be a lot of people watching that thinking, "Oh, you know <coughs> what? I can get involved and make a difference." It's not just a, you know, rich white man's. Old exactly. Club.
1: The 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 likes of Hillary Clinton and the the establishment Democrat class are quaking in their boots because you've got the likes of Bernie Sanders and you've got the likes of AOC and Elizabeth Warren. And these very prominent left-wing Democrats coming in with absolutely brilliant policies on the environment, on social welfare, on, on social policy, on economics. And, and their environmental, environmental policy, for me, I think is amazing. It's not quite as not quite what I want. However, America's always behind on, on that sort of thing. I mean, they still have an insurance-based healthcare system, yeah. which <laughs> is leaving three mil- 13 million without healthcare. However, not the point. We are seeing... Slowly but surely politicians changing their minds. We've got I mean Nadia Whittam, who is standing for Nottingham East PPC. Yeah, yeah for labor. She yeah. has she's one of these new generation of politicians. I've endorsed her myself I think there's brilliant other candidates such as Louise Regan yeah. who's a brilliant brilliant activist and environmental supporter however, you've got these young members and young politicians such as Nadia coming through the ranks and they are gonna be absolutely phenomenal in Parliament I mean there's plenty Laura Pidcock she's yeah. one from the north absolutely phenomenal we've got brilliant young talent but we need action from the current
0: parliamentary class and it's not happening it's interesting as well I think <coughs> because um, you know I've seen you know uh, Nadia and Louise and I've seen I've seen a talk at sort of I saw a talk at, to Jeremy Corbyn's leadership mm. c- campaigning events so it will be back 2015, 16, yeah, yeah. and I think that is important because obviously Jeremy, when whenever Jeremy Corbyn's time as Labour leader ends, Mm -hmm. there's going to be a massive fight Mm. for the Labour Party about whether it, you know, whether the the left, the socialist side of it, can keep it, or whether the sort of centralists or the moderates, as they call themselves, Hmm. can claw it back because of the, you know, the way they do their Leadership thing at the moment, it would be difficult for <coughs> somebody on the left to get enough. You know, Corbyn only got on the thing as a sympathy. Yeah, I mean, thing, wasn't he? And uh, people know, were fed up with the well, what I would class as the Blairite Blairite. I, I don't interest. mean winning. I mean he actually got on the yeah. Because you know, MPs they, had to nominate. They, they put they him on just of a, to say, "Well, we are a broad church." Then had no. Completely. Oath.
1: Yeah, they put him on. It was nominated by people like Sadiq Khan. Yeah who Sadiq Khan is definitely what we class as a moderate, and he put him on and nominated him and supported him in the first round, but thought he'd never get any further. Yeah. Now, Jeremy Corbyn, not to bang on too much about Labour, because no. <laughs> bias, bias would, uh, would be obvious, however, Jeremy Corbyn has brought about a massive radical change in the Labour Party, to, I mean, I, we all live through 10 years of, 10 plus years of Blair and Gordon Brown And what did we see? We saw warfare. We saw PFIs. We saw privatisation. Nothing different. It was like a soft Tory stance, to be honest. And the left were fed up with it. But we sat there, we we moaned in our own little circles. We did our own thing. We we were kicked out. Militant tendencies were kicked out of the party in during the um, during the the cleansing of the party back in the early nineties, the mid nineties, by Kinnock and Blair, which was the equivalent of the kind of McCarthyism of of the states. But we sat there and we, we watched our party become unelectable in 2010. We watched the Liberals and the Tories. And finally, we got a leader like Jeremy Corbyn, who, who stood up for environmental rights. He stood up for workers' rights again. He stood up for the grassroots of the party and the grassroots of general political will. And he stood up for workers regardless of whether they were Labour, Lib Dem, Tory. He stood up for people that were voiceless at the start. And these are the sort of politicians such as Jeremy Corbyn, Caroline Lucas, such as, um, I would name a Lib Dem that I like, but it's very difficult. Um, I mean, there's there's lots of politicians that I'm seeing coming up through. They're not yet in Parliament, Nadia, not not yet, councillors that I know, Harrison Rowan Clark, he's a district councillor in Bromsgrove, M- massive supporter of the environmentalist movement. Sally Longford, deputy leader of Nottingham City Council, massive exile supporter. Yeah. These people, um, have masses of different experience from different levels of the age scale however they are we are seeing these people come to the forefront again finally we're seeing mainstream environmental policies coming through and XR XR are sitting there and smiling we are we're smiling because we see potential but this potential is taking too much time for us in Nottingham we have a brilliant City Council again not to be too biased However, we need to see more, such as ultra-low emission zones, (coughs) which is something that me and myself, XR and Sally, have talked about a lot. We want to see, and not to put policy forward, but we want to see the city centre of Nottingham be completely pedestrianised. Yeah. Because you've got buses, while some are hybrid, some are not, some are fully electric, some are not. You've seen taxis, delivery vans, everything go through the city centre, which is pumping out some particulates that are, as you can tell, killing my, killing my respiratory system as it is. Um, but there are young children walking to school along main roads, which are, all they're doing is inhaling toxic fumes. Yeah. And you've got young students at universities walking through the city centre every morning to get lunch, to get coffee, absolutely inhaling this vile, vile air. And these sort of things on a basic human level should not be happening. No. And XR are calling for across the country ultra low emission zones, which not only help the social population of the city centre and the the workers and the, the the people that are walking through the city centre, it would also help the environment. And on a wider scale, we, we should we should be seeing a mass diversion away from petrol and fossil fuels. And the amount of electric cars you can get nowadays, I know electric isn't quite as good as it could be, and we don't have the energy to back it up. But at the moment, that's that's the best way
0: forward. I, think <laughs> point, I mean. Um... I'm I'm a cyclist, so I cycle into work, and I'm I'm lucky because I so I live over um, sort of chill or Beeston way, and mm-hmm. I work Castle marina way So I've got yeah. it's a really good, for the most part, cycle route that way. It's cy- you know there's obviously there's the canal, there's yeah. also it's it's well cycled. We've got a, you know they've done a nice new uh, route along Castle Boulevard. Yes, but if I come like if I'm out on my bike and I come. To the city centre and then go that talk you know towards colleague Arnold Way. Some of it's horrible, <coughs> you know, like the random, I and mean, the, the bits of it are improved, but some of it going that way, yeah, is, exactly, is terrifying. I think
1: cause... I mean I work at I work around Showcase Cinema, and um, I I choose the canal to walk because you have that barrier of pollution. Yeah, it's not completely safe from pollution. However, you have that barrier. However, one day I did walk d- down towards the QMC and down towards that huge roundabout there. And it was awful. Standstill traffic all across the dual yeah. carriageway, all around the QMC. And the amount of kids that are walking to school and walking home from school, or the amount of college college students and university students walking out of QMC, sick, healthy, no matter what, you're walking past this pollution. And it's absolutely vile. And this is one thing in XR we're calling for. We're calling for a radical change on, on inner city areas. And it, it's a shame because these inner city areas, such as Wollaton, Lenton, you have majority working class people there. Yeah. And these are the people that are going to be affected. People in mansions around the, the, the outer Nottinghamshire areas not going to be affected that much. You're seeing the working class people with the schools that are in the city centre. Their kids are being really badly affected. Yeah. <coughs> so this is one, from my point of view, it becomes a bit of a class issue as well. The pollution and the, the effects of climate change are not going to affect the rich and the powerful. They're going to affect the working class people who can't afford to... To put the flood barriers up on their front lawns. Yeah. To put to put up um, to move to move house when the floods when the flood comes. It's it's again it's about bigger issues other than just just how much money we have in the bank to be able to change these things. I think it becomes a, a social issue as well, a social economic issue.
0: Yeah, and it, you know, <coughs> as is usually the way, mm-hmm. you know, and and that's I say that and that often is the problem. The people that make the decisions are not. Impacted exactly. by said decisions, you know, and this is um,
1: why I'm so happy, and XR are happy to see some young and working class people getting involved with in politics because what we've seen over the last few months within the, the youth strikes is young inner city kids coming out of school and making a stand because they're realising it's affecting their areas as well. Yeah, you're not seeing private school kids come out. You're not seeing the 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 kids of politicians come out, but you are seeing these these grassroots young people coming out who believe, really do believe, in changing the environment around them. And I think this movement, the Youth Strikes, NXR, has been driven massively by Greta Thunberg and the young people of this world, actually. You're seeing the US, people in in Nigeria, Nairobi, in all sorts of places in the continent of Africa, massive demonstrations in Indonesia, in India, in New Delhi, it's been brilliant we've seen massive demonstrations all across the world and it's been led by majority young people
0: yeah young people and I think that I mean I hope I'm not you know, <coughs> being naive because it always seems like we think young people are gonna uh, you know are gonna be the sort of of saviors order. and then they get older and you yeah. know the, like, unfortunately like you know life tends to get in the way and people you know unsurprisingly mm-hmm. start to simply focus on getting by. And that is a big problem. Like I say, these issues affect the working class, most of whom are,
1: Relying particularly on now, are, are just
0: worrying problem. about getting from today to tomorrow, making sure their kids get fed. Most of them live in paycheck to paycheck, one you know, broken down washing machine away from potential disaster. Exactly, and this
1: is this is something we've discussed within the labour movement circles. Is that regardless of the climate and the the environmental movement, we have seen austerity imposed and it just imposed on the working class people, it's not affecting anybody else. We've seen austerity imposed and it's, we've discussed it being actually a systematic um, systematic oppression. Because what you're seeing is working class people living paycheck to paycheck, which means they can't go and protest, which means yeah. they can't join a union, which means they can't defend themselves when it comes to workplace harassment. Workplace harassment or, or unfair workers' rights or breaking working, uh, workers' rights legislation. They can't defend themselves because of fear of being chucked off their very precarious zero-hour contract. And this is the problem at the moment is austerity measures have made people so focused on their, the money, the paycheck, the life, the, the very essence of who you are and living has been extracted from them. And a lot of people now, including myself, are a shell when I go to work. I'm no longer talking to my friends or my colleagues and saying, oh, I've got this strike on this day. I've got, but I'm thinking, oh, my God, i going to pay my next yeah. bout of rent.
0: got to seriously think about that whenever you're trying to put anything like this forward you've got to remember that these are people maybe they do you know some of them just don't feel like they've got the time to sit and think of it it's not like you say some of them they're far too busy worrying about whether they're going to have next month's rent but ultimately they're like you said those are the people we're the people that are going to be hit by this Mm -hmm. the climate disaster the most we've you know I know it's not you know, Nottingham's in the middle. But for example, you know, if you're living in an area that in 50 years might be underwater, like you say, working class people can't just hitch up and, you know, move, hitch out. Up and move to the, the middle of the country or move to another country or move up north. They're they're stuck hoping that someone you know they're going to be reliant on emergency measures. and well, this is like this that. is the
1: problem. And I, I when I when I call for youth strikes and when I coordinate with youth strike for climate and, and XR. And we call for strikes such as the earth strike we had. Um, it, it pains me as a, as a part of the labour movement and a socialist that I'm asking people to leave work and to leave school and do these things which I know is impossible under austerity measures. And it and then as soon as we don't get the numbers we were expecting or as soon as people say, I can't do it, the media jump on us yeah. and excite new strikes and say, oh, see, no one cares. Yeah. They do care, they just haven't got the... The financial capacity to be able to walk out of of a zero hour contract like I have. If I was working, if I was have, had been working on, on Friday the twentieth, I'd have been absolutely shafted. There's no yeah. way I could have come out. No way I could have organised the earth strike. No way I could have attended because if I'd have skipped, I've got have gone on so called strike on 20th September. I'd have been completely. I'd never never get a shift again at that place. Yeah. And this is regardless of whether you like your managers and nice or not. This sort of thing. Um, from an objective point of view, happens all the time. Is that when you're on a zero contract, there's a lot of places that would, if you go and strike for something like climate change, they'd be like, "Well, clearly you don't care about work. You mm-hmm. never get a shift again." And this is the this is one of the problems we're having. And I have I, it battles in my my head a lot of my colleagues in Extinction Rebellion's head, where what problem do you solve first? Do you solve the austerity problem, which allows more people to come out, which allows more more um, m- momentum? pardon the pun, to, to, to grow and for action to happen? Or do you, do you do the action and then solve the austerity later? Or if you are, yeah. if you are on, the, on the Marxist left, do you get rid of capitalism? So then you can solve the environmental crisis, which this is a lot of the problems we're having to deal with at the moment, which, which where do we go? And this is why we're not policy makers. Yes, it's because there is, this is where the factional differences happen. You can't, we can't sit here and be like, oh, I think we should go for austerity first. Oh no! I think we should go and hit capitalism first, and make it to a socialist state, because we're here to show there's a problem and to highlight the problems and to to make action happen. It's the government and whichever yeah, party's you, running
0: the country to to make the policy. You're there. You're saying, "Oh, this is <coughs> this is a global catastrophe happening." It's broken. Fix it. Uh, yeah, you're the you're the people we choose to represent us. You're the people paid to represent us. It's supposedly you know you are all. In theory, intelligent understand how all this works. So come up with a plan. Exactly. I mean, <laughs>
1: if I if my bike was broken, I'm not gonna take it to the shop and, and suggest ways to fix it. No, you're gonna say Fix okay. it. Yeah. <laughs> the system is broken. And if we don't if we if we do not act, the system will prevail. And we will sit we will sit here in five, ten years time and and you'll have people such as Conservatives sitting there going, Oh well, I wish someone would have told me about this. Mm. This it, It's ridiculous and XR exile Nottingham have built a, an amazing basis, amazing base of supporters and activists who are so passionate they're willing to, to, to give away their freedom to be arrested by the police just for the, the slim active hope they have that something may happen. And you are seeing young people drop out of education. Greta Thunberg, um, one of the main uh, can't remember his name, one of the main activists in London dropped out of university. To and obviously he's he's got enough money and privilege to be able to do that. However, I respect his decision. Yeah, um, dropped out of complete education to be able to go and put your entire resource capacity, resource into fighting for the future of generations. And I, I look at I look at uh, young people on the street when uh, when we're on the youth strikes and extension rebellion events, and they're they're not these these aren't looks of 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 hope. They're not looks of happiness, and they're not looks of content their looks of fear yeah no longer is it the days where we can be hopeful and we can kind of be happy with the way it's going and kind of have smiles on our faces these in the rooms that when we discuss serious matters such as such as what we do next in Extinction Rebellion Nottingham these aren't smiles we're seeing on faces these are these are these are frowns and fearful faces for these people's children and these people's futures I'm not seeing faces that are happy and content these are genuinely terrified young people about their future they don't know what's going to happen in the next five years no. there is no point them learning how to be a teacher when you've got a mass humanitarian crisis because climate change has wiped out any low-lying land you've not no point being a technician when there's no food and agriculture has been absolutely destroyed in this country and foreign countries also there is no point in planning for an education that won't be there there is no point in planning for a future that's going to be absolutely not a chance so I, I must imp- I must say to politicians that please meet with young people in Nottingham. I say to Anna Subri, I say to Ken Clark, and I say to any Lib Dems and Labour actually that are not supporting Extinction Rebellion and the youth strikes, meet us and see the faces of these young people that are no longer no longer happy with the way and hopeful of their future. They are terrified with what may or may not be happening in their future. Regardless of the political economic situation of Brexit and and the rest of the rubbish that's coming through the political system, climate change is what's fearful the most. People will argue about Brexit for the next 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. But we haven't got 20, 30 years to argue about climate change. We've got less than 10 now. So let's actually listen to our young people and watch their terrified faces in these meeting rooms and committees and organisational groups. Watch their terrified faces and then you'll realise and if you have a heart, you'll realise that actually actually needs to happen.
0: Definitely, and I think, but I, I think it's one of the interesting things has been some of the sort of blowback that's come from, particularly with, like I said, the youngsters. You know, you go on, you know, say uh, local news site, and they put the pro, you know, that the kids are out of school, and you see some of the horrible. You know, arrest the parents for letting them out of school. Exactly. I mean, Spell it, kick them out of school, expel I mean, uh, you mentioned uh, Greta Thunberg, Thunberg. I mean, some of the the sort of criticism she's like, Christian. you know, comments about her being a, a patsy for rich, you know, grown ups. Comments about her, um, her, autism, and I think I can't. I think was it, it was a member of uh, UK. Yeah, made a Hamilton. comment about, and and there was another one who made a comment about, um, about when she you mentioned earlier the boat. Yeah, Aaron about, Banks. Yeah, that was him, the the guy that funded Duke. About oh, um, accidents can happen at sea or something. I mean, this is a, a child just wanting to. Who do has said herself that she never went into this to be the figurehead. She was distance. just taking a stand yeah. in the
1: Swedish Parliament. I mean, I, I, I saw this, This I only saw uh, today, actually, when I, when I woke up to go into the strike this morning. I, I, I was just baffled with Aaron Banks almost hoping that she dies at sea. Yeah. I mean, and it's appalling. Can't... This is a 16-year-old girl. If that was his daughter and someone said that about him, I would not bl- about his daughter, I would not blame him for punching the person that did it. No. I mean, I'm sorry, this is a 16-year-old Swedish girl who's traversing the Atlantic Ocean... In a boat and you're hoping that it capsizes and she ha- then she then you're implying you hope she dies. Yeah, Absolutely appalling. And Neil Hamilton, the Welsh leader of UKIP, absolutely appalling to preying on a young person and saying that she has autism. Yeah. Whether she does or not is none of your business. Just because your party, UKIP, and Aaron Banks' Leave.EU campaign, just because you are funded by big, rich tycoons and oil and gas billionaires, doesn't mean... There's no reason you should be saying that. And I think, frankly... For those comments, they should never have a public platform ever no. again. Neil Hamilton should have resigned from UKIP and Aaron Banks should be left in the depths of despair because those two, and there's been more on Twitter and Facebook, and those two are absolutely horrific. For myself, I've, 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 I've had threats myself. When we had a, we had a roadblock um, yeah, in Nottingham yeah. um, during the, the, the previous rebellion, we had a roadblock on Mansfield Road and we were doing six minutes at a time and it was live streamed by Nottingham Post. I wrote, read the comments afterwards. Uh, they should have run you over. They should have hit you all. They should have ploughed you down with a bus. These sort of things are from from people that clearly have no care for young people. This was majority young people on these pickets and on these these roadblocks. No young person should have to face this sort of absolutely vile, disgusting language and disgusting threats against their lives. I mean, a lot of people think environmentalists just go and hug trees and have a nice life. We are facing death threats. If Greta Th- Thunberg is facing Aaron Banks, threatening, or actually hoping, yeah. even worse, hoping that she something atrocious happens to her at sea. Yeah. And if anything ever atrocious happened to her at sea, you don't think the rest of us would rise up more than we've ever risen up before? You don't think she would not be the? You not think young people would march out of schools on that day? Never ever have I seen this level of absolutely disgusting political threats and disgusting political yeah. comments from people that shouldn't even be in politics themselves who only have it out for themselves. And I'm sorry, but they they should never have a public platform ever again. The BBC, ITV, Channel 4, Channel 5, whoever it is, should never ever give Aaron Banks or Neil Hamilton ever a platform because that sort of disgusting language should never be put on anyone, let alone a 16 year old who's trying to fight for her own future. And this is the sort of backlash I've been talking about. These sort of mass movements face backlash from it from, from back in the 30s onwards, we've seen backlash from the, the LGBT movement, the civil rights movement, environmentalist movements. Every movement has had the Labour movement, we've had death threats, we've had, but we never thought there'd be something like this against the, what they yeah. so dubbed as a bunch of tree huggers.
0: I think as well, I mean, and this is why we're seeing a lot of because it, obviously, one, there's a lot of sort of um, condescension and you know patronising because mm. they're kids and people don't think kids. You know, and we see this when you talk about, you know, I've I've said, long said that the voting age should be lowered to sixteen. Completely I also agree. think you should learn about voting and things like that in school. Completely agree. But you know, if you're well, the second you're old enough to pay a tax, you should be having I mean, allowed to have a say in how that tax is. Exactly. Spent. I couldn't agree more. And we I've had no end of debates like people, oh you don't they don't know what they don't know about life, they've not lived and I'm you know what, most most of the well, most of the 13, fourteen year olds I know I know more about what's going on than some of the fifty, sixty-year-old. You are I damn
1: know. right, and they know damn sight more than a lot of the politicians currently. And like you said, I agree completely. Sixteen-year-old can go into an apprenticeship, join the army, pay tax, can get married with permission. They can do all of that. They damn sight damn right. They can be. They can bloody yeah. well vote for what their what their money goes towards. I think it's appalling, and the Labour Party, the Greens, and I. Th- I think even the Lib Dems have, uh, have kind of looked at this policy. However, I know the Greens and Labour have said vote 16 for years.
0: Yeah, and it, I mean, it, it you know, it made me really angry in the EU referendum that 16 year olds at that time were not allowed to vote, despite the fact that they will be, you know, far more impacted by the repercussions of that than you know, 50, 60 year olds. I know we've got know. a dying
1: population,
0: and this is where. The vote
1: and the referendum, the the EU referendum was something that was is once in a lifetime. So surely that once in a lifetime would be in the lifetimes of sixteen year olds as well.
0: yeah, I mean, we, it's not a really, you know... No, <laughs> I know. get it's, massively thingyed by going down that.
1: No, of course, oh, but, but I, think, I think things that are yes. once in a, I think things, especially environmental policies, which, is a, which, for example, is once in a lifetime yeah. chance to vote on once, these sort of it things. It might be the, you know... The last the chance of we the get. Life. Exactly. Yeah. When you've got 10 years, I think now is the point. I think before, but now is definitely the point to give 16-year-olds the vote. Because when it comes to environmental policies, these are things that you should be voting on for your future. Yeah. And this is what we shout and scream about in protests. Uh, with you striking XR, I mean, we're not policy makers, however, this is something we can all agree on, that if your future depends on which party's in control, then damn right you can vote from 16 onwards. Yeah. I think it's appalling. But I think our movement as XR Nottingham and our movement as XR in general, um, we are going somewhere very fast and very good because the October Rebellion will really and truly show the political class and the, the upper classes that are dogmatic in their... In their action, well, lack of action, um, and you will really start to see governments start to wonder. Oh, maybe we should do things about this. Maybe we should listen to these mad hippies in the lying in the road. I really do think that this October rebellion will be one of the changing points of history, and will be go down in history as one of the biggest and one of the best environmentalist kind of movements and environmentalist periods of action. And we are not planning on doing it for a week. We're not planning on doing it for two weeks. We're planning on doing it as long as we can damn well get people down there. Yeah. We're planning on holding whatever the plans are, no one knows. They'll be released whenever. Um, there's no point giving anyone a heads up. No, obviously. <laughs> um, whatever happens, when, whenever it happens, um, the, the government better prepared be prepared to listen. Because disruption will take place in every major city. And London is going to be disrupted again, but twice as better um there's no way there's no way about
0: it the talking time is definitely over Mm. and that's key i think as well you know extinction rebellion i guess you know was born out of that first event you know that's most people would never have heard of Mm. the group before that but and it was an amazing and like say you know you shut london down for that was unprecedented shut Mm. london down for five days you have members of the public walking along um
1: a walking over Oxford Circus in the middle of the road. Yeah. I mean, that's not been seen in
0: years. And, but like you say, that would have meant nothing had that momentum and not had not been picked up and ran with and gone with. Exactly. And it's got to, because and it's got to keep going and it's got to keep going, like you said, fast, because we don't have 10 years to figure this out. No. We don't, well, potentially we don't have any, you know, but... We have little we, to no time left yeah. and I think that...
1: This October Rebellion, and I commend anybody and I implore anybody to go out there and, and join. It's always non-violent. You're always looked after. There's loads of regen teams. It's all about regenerative regenerative, um, kind of policies of making sure everyone's all right. There's food, there's drink, there's places to stay. you would always be looked after. But I, 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 command, I commend anybody that went to the previous rebellion has done action in exile or the youth strikes. Or is planning on going to the October Rebellion because honestly we need as many people as possible, and you will be you will go down in history as one of the part of the big biggest environmentalist mass movement which changed the face of environmental politics for the better. And I think that if you are if you are um in an ah in whether to go, just go experience it, go down and be part of a mass movement of people who are willing to put their liberty on the line yeah. to change. The way the system works in the UK and across the world,
0: and I, yeah, and I think one of the key things that that you've mentioned and the Extinction Rebellion has, um, that's possibly not, being so much within environmental groups mm-hmm. is, is that it, this is all about action, and it's about telling people to do action. It's not about, you know, like I you said, you're not about telling them how to do it. You're not about you know you so you're not telling, you're not throwing out what people might call lefty or socialist policies so it's open so like and this is where why it will work better as well i think because if people see that this is a broad church diverse crowd of people if they see that it is you know people with conservative leanings Mm -hmm. people with central left socialist capitalist lean if they if they're all there saying there's a problem then None of these politicians and people in power can just go, Oh, it's just the lefty just the it's just against... a... this so... is something we
1: faced in the in the early uh, the early iterations of our movement was that the the polit the media class that, and the political class, the establishment, started saying, Oh, well bloody hell, yeah, it's just a bunch of Marxists as well. Yeah. Because we were represented in wrongly represented in London on LBC by the RCG, the Revolutionary Communist Group. Now, this is something that that we battle with a lot is groups trying to kind of not infiltrate, join alongside in solidarity. However, putting their brand alongside right, yeah. our brand,
0: so, which, the factions like you said
1: Exactly. So what we're seeing, we had a problem in Nottingham, and I get along with mo- all the RCG members in Nottingham. However, we've had, pro- we've had, we've had discussions and debates, healthy debates in in across the country. I imagine it's the similar. And in London, we saw the RCG speaking in support of Extinction Rebellion. However. This is what we say, we're a non-political organisation. There's Marxists, there's communists, there's conservatives, there's right-wing people in our movement. And we, we will never be tarnished with a brush of Marxism. We'll never be tarnished with a brush of being liberals or being Tories or being anything. We are just a group, a large, large mass of people who want to see change. We're not Labour, we're not Green, we're not Lib Dem. We all personally have our own beliefs. We all personally yeah. got have our yeah. ideologies and our political affiliations. However, as a group, when you step into an Extinction Rebellion action, you will not be wearing a Labour rosette. You will not be flying a communist flag. You will not be preaching about capitalist um, Adam Smith and Capitalist Institute. You will be, you'll be acting as an Extinction Rebellion activist, as an environmentalist, and as an individual within a collective mass movement
0: yeah and i think that's why this is working because as and as we've said earlier this isn't a party political issue this isn't an you know this isn't an an, an issue of you know ideology in terms of oh, yeah. your politics or your economic stance or anything like that. this is an issue of the planet is Dying so this is it's like, no
1: longer an issue of <clears throat> does austerity work. Does it not? It's no longer an issue of is welfare state good. Is it not? It's an issue of factually the planet Our entire existence is in absolute jeopardy. Yeah. It's that we have seen the worst Disasters in human history. It's a factual. It's a flipping fact. We have seen We have seen the worst things possibly happen in human human history happening now and it's no longer a battle between oh is it, oh is it not, it's factual, it's happening and this this is why XR has stood as a non-political organisation, we stand there and say factually climate change is happening, we are in a cl- climate uh, climate crisis and a climate emergency and we're going to do our damnedest to stop a c- catastrophe from happening regardless of whether you're a Le- Labour or Labour, Tory, Lib Dem, whatever, doesn't matter where you are, if you want to join us and stand with us, you will stand with us next, as Extinction
0: Rebellion. Yeah excellent uh great stuff so there you go and, and like you say it's, it's got to happen now it has to happen we, now you know. we have the and
1: the talking time is over we have an october rebellion come and join us in london throughout the stuff from the start till the end we'll be down there we're doing uh we're doing many events in nottingham um coming up to coming up to the october rebellion and uh, we'll still be doing events during the october rebellion for people that can't get down to london um and if you we have a brilliant Facebook group with brilliant people that respond to messages as soon as possible. Um, join in with the youth strikes that will proceed after the Earth strike on the 20th. Um, join in with movements that, that support Extinction Rebellion, support candidates in political parties that, that support Extinction Rebellion. And make sure that the climate is at the front of your politics at the moment. There's no, there's no point putting Brexit at the front, it's got to be the climate, that is what's pressing currently. And I think that anyone that puts anything other than the climate in front of their poli- in front of their political choice is doing a disservice to themselves and their children and their generation. You must have climate-conscious policies at the front of your political choice when it comes to the ballot, when it comes to going down the polling stations, whether that's local, national, European elections or, or, or even lower down.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important as well to point out, you know, it's always been talked on for years about this is your children's children and your children mm. but it isn't now not no. only is it your children but it is you know you. for a lot of us it's you it's you know anyone to me it's you gonna it's gonna be you know potentially around for the next 20 decade 30 years, 20 yeah. 30 years if we're already seeing it we are seeing displacement because of you know, look what places. happened to the Bahamas the other day. Yeah, was, absolutely ravaged that. Yeah, poor I mean, we're seeing increase nation. in in natu- in disasters. You know, we are seeing people displaced because you know they can't grow crops, they can't grow food, and we're seeing. Despite you know, I think I can't remember if it was Charlotte Churchill or Lily Allen that commented during about climate change's role in Syria, the Syrian war, and was grandly mocked in the media for it, and yet. A few years later the experts are coming out and saying yeah it did play because it moved masses of people had to move from uh I don't know, north syria or parts of syria originally because, fertile land yeah but it from, was just dead land they, deserted, they, desert they,
1: desertified
0: yeah they moved to the uh, <coughs> they, you know they had to move to other areas and obviously in, in those part you know certain parts of the world there's only far north you can get until yeah. you get to europe uh, but there's also obviously uh places like syria and iraq where They have, um, you know, factions of people that don't get on, you know, and we're doing everywhere. But um, they're not, you know, they're not split by in the way we we have where it's countries so much. But there's, there's factions, there's warring factions within the, as we saw, you know, in in Iraq with the. The Sunnis and the Shias and things like that. And then when they're all being forced into certain areas because of because of the because desert, of, and desert and then desert obviously you've got
1: dictators, you know. This is what I mean. It's no it's it's been for so long it's been a European issue and it's been a it's been a oh it's, it's a white man problem. It's not. It's this isn't gonna affect Europe as much as it's gonna affect the developing world. Yeah. The developing countries, so just like I mentioned Bangladesh, majority of their countries, no more than one two meters above sea level, and we've already seen a mass rise in sea level, uh, sea levels. Um, we are seeing flooding on a massive scale in in monsoon season in India. It's destroying. It's a natural pro natural process monsoon season. However, now it's becoming so horrendous, and and the sea levels are rising, and you're causing flooding internally within the country. And the sea is matching that flooding, and it's absolutely ridiculous to to say that oh yeah, Europe may not have have that many problems. We may have a few storms here and there. You know, the French get a few bad storms. They might get a bit worse. Well,
0: I've worked at places where there's been, you know, officers out out in in parts of Asia, um, or you know, companies we've worked with where they've had to shut down because it is, you know, like I say, because the monsoons are so bad. It's you know, if they're in the office, they can't go home, or and if they're at home, they can't, can't go. Get, yeah. They just can't go between. <coughs> I and think that's going to get significantly It's worse. a very
1: Eurocentric point of view to think that this is only happening in within the the Western world. I mean, it's not going to affect us as much. as It is going to affect the developing countries, and they have the and which, unfortunately, they have little resources to this be able to a, manage yeah. it.
0: Yeah, like you say, Bangladesh, they're you know one of the most at risk places, but they don't have the they don't have to resources, the resources, you know, and the structure for building. Yeah, you know, also, I think it's
1: it's appalling to suggest that. From politicians to suggest that these countries can just deal with it on their own. I think we we are lucky in the West to have the resources we do, whether you agree or not where we got those resources from, um, but we have the resources to be able to deal with flooding. For example, uh, Worcester Racecourse always floods, Cheltenham always floods, and we can deal with that as it comes. But these countries have had to deal with this slowly, 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 as as climate change has kind of had more of an effect. But when it finally hits home, when the big storms are coming, like the one that hit the Bahamas, they're not going to be able to deal with it by just patching up a few houses. No. This is going to be a mass, mass movement, mass migration of people. And they're not going to be um, what, what the Tories dub economic migrants who are looking out for their pocket, which is not true anyway. You are going to see refugees yeah. and literal it's... refugees that are not political. They're not seeking, not seeking political asylum. They're seeking asylum for help because they've got nowhere else it's, to live.
0: It's, exact, it's going to be the exact same situation as with a war. Yeah, but on people a scale flee, that's never have, seen before. Yeah, people flee when people flee a war zone. These are this
1: is effectively. But when the war stops, they when the war stops, a lot of people do return to their yeah. countries. However, this war, this well, situation, this war stop, is well, never stopping, it. It. <laughs> and it's continually ravaging parts of the parts of the world. And I think that the one thing that if if we do not solve this climate crisis, one thing that we will be battling for not to happen will be a fortress Europe or a fortress Britain to retake. We've had a humanitarian crisis where you've seen um, ships turned away in the Mediterranean. What will not be happening under some governments, under hopefully the better government, will, what will not be happening is a fortress Europe or fortress Britain yeah. where we where we say, oh, well, it's not our problem, we close yeah. the borders. It's I? not happening. If you, if we the West is the majority of the world that's made this problem, Bangladesh hasn't made the problem. Majority of India haven't made the problem. Af- uh, the African continent hasn't made the problem. It's been the USA, the Western Europe, Russia, and China. And these countries are the ones that are going to be the first to say, close the borders. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. it's not going to happen in the UK. We will not let it happen. And it damn sight is not going to happen in Europe as well. Because if you cause a problem, you, you take so you take the consequences. And it, we will be fighting for a open border system where... If we've caused a problem, we can. We have enough space in Europe to to house all these people. And I think climate change is not a European issue. We need to battle it in Europe to get the policies because we we apparently have the most power. Um, however, we need to be battling it here to help and to stop the destruction of, of developing nations across the world. And I think it's. I think XR have done a, an amazing job outside Nottingham and outside of Nottingham and nationally youth strikes included, and um, the earth strike, that we've done an amazing job to raise awareness. It's now in the hands of the politicians. And if we don't see any action or any specific action be- until uh, between now and October, uh, until the start of the rebellion, then it's going to get, we're going to ramp up the action even more. And you're going to see mass disruption in the in the streets of the, uh, the capital and the streets of many of our major cities. and. The politicians can't turn around and they will but they 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 can't turn around and look at us and say why on earth are you doing this because we've told them for years while we're doing this we've told them we've talked to them we've lobbied with them but the talking time is over we're we're not going to sit there and have pointless conversations spending hours in a boardroom on select committees and legislative legislative committees we're going to now get on the streets and
0: make action happen regardless you what if you like it or not i think you have to because like you said no one's just i mean you know you said how you know, far this goes back, but I remember growing up in the 80s and I remember the ozone, the CO2. Yeah, we CFCs, like chlorophyll COCs. carbons. So it's not like this is something that's suddenly become apparent in the last five years. No, and for the climate, example of... Climate change is, is... Well, it's been going on, I, I, I guess, since, since the Industrial, Industrial Revolution. Revolution.
1: yeah. And for your example of um, the ozone, people only acted when there was a bloody hole in the ozone yeah. above, the, uh, above the ice cap. You you saw chlorofluorocarbons being used in every single... In fridge freezers, in in polystyrene, in aerosols. And as soon as the problem arose, luckily, the ozone ozone is regenerative. So it can slowly repair itself. However, our climate is not regenerative. And we've hit the point now where you act now or or it doesn't matter how much we do. Because there's a point within climate change where the oceans don't take in any more... They no longer act as a carbon sink because they can't take in more carbon yeah. in. And with the oceans rising, evaporation, more carbon will leave. And what you're what you're going to see is a cycle of heating up the planet and a cycle that will eventually destroy the planet and destroy the population on it. So we, we cannot hit that point. We don't know when this point is. It could have gone by now or it could be in the future. We cannot hit the point of no return. We need to act now. And I am absolutely at my wit's end with... Conservative politicians, Aaron Banks, Neil Hamilton, the UKIP, Far Right, Tommy Robinson, the lot of them that are too focused. Normal politicians as well that are too focused on Brexit, too focused on where their next pound or where their next endorsement's coming from, to focus on the issue that is going to affect their children. What the hell are they going to turn around? I would like to ask them what they're going to turn around to their kids and say in 10 years time when their kids ask them, Mom, Dad, what the hell did you do? Why have you left the world like this? I want to know and I want them to look their kids in the eye, these conservative politicians, these, these right-wing politicians and these, these dogmatic politicians that are sitting there ignoring the problem. I want them to turn around for their kids tomorrow and say, I'm not doing anything about your future kids. They can save in a bank, they can, you can use an ISA, they can use an educational fund and save loads and loads of money for their kids. There's no point, there's no future for them. No, I want them absolutely. to turn around, and look their kids in the eyes, and say, "Kids, this is not. I'm not doing anything for you. Your future is ruined, thanks to people like them." And I, I we, we've started using very strong words nowadays, and we're no longer. We've passed the point of being like, "Oh, please, you know, oh, please, let's let's do something about this." It's now you've got to look in your kids' eyes and think, "Do you love them enough to change their future? I do you love think- love them enough to save them?"
0: So a huge thanks there to Sam Harris from Extinction Rebellion Nottingham for taking time to chat to us. As he said, you can find out more about Extinction Rebellion Nottingham at uh, facebook.com forward slash XRNOTTM. That's XRNOTTM. And there's always loads of information. They've always got loads of events going on. Obviously, there's the big uh, sort of national... Well, it's international, actually, but there's a big event going down on in London... the moment but there's always events going on in nottingham there's training events there's family events there's new members events uh so it's well worth checking that out if you're interested in finding out more and also with chatting to like-minded people and as it said extinction rebellion is open to everybody no matter your political leanings etc party affiliations all that so it's great find out more and uh maybe see how you can help tackle uh, this issue which is massive so, again, thanks to Sam. Once again, thanks to Café Sobar for hosting us, for Jason for sorting that out. It's always great to be able to record there. Such a great venue. I highly recommend checking it out. It's Café Sobar on Friar Lane. And uh, we thanks for joining us today. We've got more great shows coming up. Some of the shows we've got coming up in future weeks. We've got uh, Nottingham Forest director Johnny Owen joining us. We've got uh, Jethro, host of the Knotts Rockcast, which is a fantastic rock podcast i recommend you check out uh, search that on facebook and um, we've got some other guests lined up uh, more information on that including we're hoping to have another guest from extinction rebellion joining us at the end of the month to tell us about what happened down in london because you'll have seen a lot in the news there so that should be really interesting more guests keep an eye on our facebook page facebook.com forward slash ng digital for the newest announcements of guests and also to get in touch don't forget you can subscribe and check out the podcast on all the usual podcasting apps like iTunes, um, Podcast Addict, etc. You can find all the rep- episodes on ngdigital.podbean.com. So why not check out other episodes, maybe subscribe and even give us a, a review if you want. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the show, who you'd like to see featured on the show. Any suggestions for guests are welcome. And we look forward to joining you on a future episode. Once again, thanks for listening. Thanks to Sam Harris from Extinction Rebellion Nottingham and goodbye.